Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential, and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. Thank you for joining me, guys. I'm your host, Mindy Harley, and today I'm going to be getting a little bit personal with you all. You know, since the passing of my late husband in 2014, it's um, become apparent to me that I've kind of been the go-to person um, within my niche uh, for anyone that has had someone that has passed away and is going through grief. And especially for those that have lost their significant other, their spouse, as we can all um, agree that every loss is different um, and every experience and every grieving process is different. And as someone that has never experienced loss at this level, Both my grandparents passed away when I was much younger. My parents still have their health, which is amazing, and they are still alive and well on this earth. Experiencing something like this, no one's ever prepared for how their life is going to change. There's really no understanding quite how you're going to handle it when it happens to you. You know, we often see people sympathize and say what they would do in a situation, you know, if their husband or wife were to die, what they would do, how would they live the rest of their life. But honestly, you never you never quite know until it happens to you. So this podcast is going to be a look inside part of my process in the hopes that it'll it'll help you in yours because also as someone who wasn't brought up with religion in my family um, I did have friends with their uh, different uh, religious backgrounds reach out to me and try to offer me peace and condolence with their beliefs and you know it wasn't it wasn't quite something that i could still even find solace in and you know it it helped and i appreciated you know them them reaching out and it you know it gave me something to ponder and to to think about but it just nothing quite seems to fill a hole sometimes you know and my journey was very very different, very, um, <laughs> it was quite unique. And let me just tell you, no matter what you're going through right now, if you've recently lost someone, if you're still dealing with grief, um, that is totally 100% up to you, how you deal with it, how you handle it, um, whether you choose to 
fall um, back on your religion, support groups, friends, family, nature, the universe, uh, science, whatever it is that's going to help you get mentally back on your feet. That is up to you. So for me, when it had happened, um, I was very much so thrown into a dark hole. Um, hearing the news, it's definitely most comparable to having the carpet pulled out from you. And it feels like the whole world has collapsed on top of you. I suffered with depression, PTSD, uh, I was turning to um, like a liquid Valium that was given to me while I was uh, in Mexico to take to uh, sedate myself, uh, to control my, my outbursts and to handle the pain, especially because it, it was a motorcycle accident and also where I was living in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, there are lots of motorcycles, and hearing one um, would send me off the deep end. I was not eating. Uh, I was drinking. <laughs> I was basically almost in a very vegetative state, mind and body, and this went on for a while, uh, a good couple months of pure, pure hell. And there were many times that I wanted to kill myself. I was completely lost. We had just gotten married, um, it, although it wasn't even, <laughs> didn't even have the chance to be made into a legal marriage. It was just a ceremony uh, wedding in Cancun. And you really, you really feel like you had your whole life and your future robbed. And I had guilt. I figured, you know, I could have put my foot down and pleaded for him not to go out that day that we could, you know, spend the rest of the day together as we had uh, spent the morning together. And I was really, really torn apart by the fact that, you know, when they brought him to the hospital, um, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't responsive at all. And I never even, never got a goodbye at that time. So that was a lot to deal with. And, um, other things unfolded as well after his death that, um, unfortunately I found out some things that I could never, uh, get answers from. I had to also deal with not having closure at all. So put that on top of everything else that I was going through. And that's a very hard thing as well when you 
you can't get the answers that you want and you can't get the closure that you want either. And then, of course, feeling that I'm being selfish, um, focusing on that and the rest. And, you know, it's totally disrupting my grieving process. I should be grieving, but here I am wanting these answers. And that made me feel like a horrible person too. But there was definitely a lot of anger and definitely um, a lot of depression. And finally, I stopped taking the, uh, the liquid Valium drops, stopped taking uh, sleeping pills, and stopped contemplating how many of those pills it would take to mix with a bottle of wine to kill myself. I got over that hump. How did I get over that hump? Well, you know, this may not be uh, something that's afforded to everybody, but I was living by the ocean, and I spent a lot of time meditating uh, at sunset, doing a lot of sun gazing, sitting quietly um, with my with myself, clearing my mind. Lots of meditation, I would say daily, just to just to stop and control the thoughts in my mind and become the observer. And it was through that daily meditation that I feel that I got a lot of my strength from. And that kind of was the first small bricks being laid on a new foundation again. And it was learning to let go and be okay with not getting the answers as well. Those were the first steps. And, you know, because I was also in Mexico, I wasn't, uh, you know, there, there wasn't those uh, support groups that I could go and join when I was there. So I had to find another way to ease my mind. And I had to do my own research and I started to read books and um, one book in particular that really, really helped me um, with all of this was the book Life After Death from Deepak Chopra. And I read this book every, every moment that I could. I was glued to this book and reading it really brought me a lot of peace. Um, it, it filled me, uh, spiritually and it was the next phase of my healing process and just reading that book. I read other books as well, anything I could really find because it was just, it was in a place that I, I had enough with, you know, feeling the way that I did, um, in such a beautiful country, you know, I'm living by the ocean and there's palm trees and everything that would normally be so beautiful and vibrant was just dull to me. And I wanted to get away from that. Some of the other, um, books that I read, um, the afterlife of Billy Fingers, 
and another book, Heaven is for Real, and just something to, I guess, just help ease, help ease my mind with that. Now, the uh, accident happened end of August. This was September already. In September, um, September I had uh, searched out a medium. She was local in Bayarda, and at the time with my grief, I was uh, I was carrying his urn everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure people must have thought I was crazy. You know, uh, that crazy widow. Um, I don't, I was, that was just the level of my grief. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be away from him at all, even if it was still just his ashes. And I was carrying that with me. So when I met the, the medium, you know, um, it was still too early to really to really say anything for sure. But the one thing that she told me was that in seven months that I would meet the man that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And at the time, I didn't want to hear it. I thought that was, I thought seven months was, you know, I was very afraid of what other people would think that, you know, to me, seven months felt very early, like with the grieving process, you know, it felt like I should be carrying that torch for a very long time and other people's opinions. And, you know, I've seen, uh, death really affect people. Um, I've seen it affect my family members where it's been years now and they, they still don't have that smile. They still don't have that shine in their eyes. And I thought that was, I thought that was the way that it was supposed to be. Um, so <laughs> it was really hard for me to really accept that. But at the same time, you know, I was like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's the time that my body, that my mind, that my soul, maybe that's the time that everything will be right again for me. But it still seems so far away. It still seems so far away when every day felt like an eternity, an eternity of pain. It was the worst pain ever. I'd rather, I wanted to be sick with every other disease than feel what I was feeling. And here's the thing with, with grief. Um, it's, you, you just take it moment by moment, day by day, you do what you have to do. And, you know, going back to that, um, kind of timeline of when does it end? You know, it's really, it's really individual and on the person and what you choose to fill your mind with and the thoughts and, you know, your own recovery and navigation through grief is, is up to you. Um, and you should never let other people's opinions on the matter affect, um, that for you. So, you know, it's, you know, people will say like, oh, well, it's been, you know, four months, you should be fine. Like it's been four months already, you know, it should be better. 
um, or some people will expect that you should still be um, a freaking mess crying and that you should be holding this torch for them and that you should still be grieving that you shouldn't be healed already and you know it's it really does affect you when you're trying when you're trying to heal you kind of always have that in the back of your mind you know which <laughs> like which like what what is the right what is the right way to do this you know like am i being that weird person who's still depressed or am i being looked at with eyebrows raised because you know i'm doing a lot better today than i was the other day um you know it's kind of it's really hard to navigate that when you have you know people who are having these opinions about your own grieving process so you know for me um i just kind of kept going at my own pace and that's all you can really do is just go at your own pace and you know you might have a, a good few days and then you know one day something will be said and you'll kind of start from the bottom again and that happened to me um you know it was going now into December and a song was played on at the club uh, that we were all with uh, for a dinner and the song that came on was um, our wedding song and I completely lost it in the middle of the restaurant and that was it for me that was <laughs> you know I kind of it's kind of done for the evening and just wanted to go back to my hotel room and then you you kind of think like wow is this am I ever going to shake this so by December I was I was doing better but I still didn't want to have those episodes I still felt that my grieving process was it wasn't going so smooth like I said something like this hits you the way it does um you really want to try and do anything that you can already to heal yourself because you're having each day you know robbed from you basically and it was in december that i attended an ayahuasca healing retreat and where i consumed ayahuasca uh four times and because of my internal issues with how I should be processing my grief and you know my my struggle with it um the first night that I did ayahuasca if you've learned anything about ayahuasca or know anything about it uh there is a purging process and the purging process will generally either be um <laughs> puking or diarrhea or crying and mine was crying and I have never cried I didn't even cry I don't I felt like I cried more on that night than the actual night that he passed away and I was lying on my back and my ears were filling with my tears and my nose was 
full of snot and tears and it just kept coming and coming and coming and the morning after um, every one of us would kind of take turns speaking with the shaman with our with our healing process from the night before and you know the the shaman told me that you know great grief means great love and he explained in the villages that when someone would pass away the whole village would rally behind um, the person that was going through the loss and would let them cry as long as they had to. They'd look after them. They would feed them. And it could be weeks, it could be months, but the, the whole village rallied around them and the shamans. And they would let that person just do whatever they had to do. And they understood that, you know, that there was great loss and that there was great love. So it was a little bit of an eye-opener uh, for me as far as his words. And uh, it really helped with just understanding that it was okay, that it was normal, what I was going through, that I shouldn't have to abide by any sort of intangible timeline of healing. So I did the, the ayahuasca and it was definitely um, a major part of my healing and I still had a little bit of clearing left to do and I saw one more medium in Canada by the name of Lisa Scribbins and I had one session with her and made contact and I got my answers and I got my closure it wasn't the answers that I definitely um, wanted to hear but it's what I needed to hear, and honestly, it wasn't anything that I <laughs> probably wouldn't have doubted um, that was going to be the response uh, from his spirit, but it was what I needed, and at that moment after that, I was able to, to close the book on it, and... I went back to Mexico... And let me tell you, going through such a tragic event, being by yourself in another country, um, going through that whole entire healing process of crawling out from rock bottom and going through that much pain where you're wishing that You'd rather be sick with every disease than have that pain that you were feeling with. <laughs> you really feel unstoppable afterwards. And here's the thing with, you know, going on and living your life after that. Um, the best way to honor those that have passed is to live a full life 
you know, don't feel guilty for going out and enjoying yourself and living your life. You are still here. Life is meant to be lived and celebrated so that you can grow and be stronger and have these amazing life experiences that turn you into a better person because your time isn't up yet. You know what? That was, uh, I learned for him, that was, that was his time. That was his time to go. And, you know, I couldn't just sit and hold the torch and be in this state of misery, um, forever. And that is really, for me, how becoming unfuckwithable was born. Because I went through such an immense hellish state of my life that it gave me an unstoppable drive and lack of fear, honestly, because I had gone through the worst. You know, I tackled a huge fear and went skydiving uh, after that had happened. And the, the instructor said, like, I was the most calm person that he's ever had. Like, he jumped out of the plane and I just basically, like, I didn't even flinch. You know, we just rolled out and that was that. And it was a rush. It was a complete rush. And I felt that rush of being alive and taking advantage of this opportunity to be on this earth. And that's what you got to do when someone that you love that's dear to you passes away. You got to be like, you know what? I'm going to just fucking live my life, live it the best I can, because it really instills with you. You know, you see in the news how people die or you have a friend die or someone dies, you know, life is short, da 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 da. But when it happens to you, holy shit, there is no waiting for tomorrow. There's no waiting for next year. There's no waiting for perfect. You go out and do it because you say, you know what, I could be working out at the gym this morning and dead by this afternoon because that is exactly what happened to my late husband. And I don't want to live with any regrets. I don't want to live, you know, in fear. And I truly want to be able to go after all of my goals, you know, without putting things off without thinking what if, you know, because I may not even have the luxury of what if tomorrow. I could be gone tomorrow. And really, when you when you go through that kind of hell and you come out with your scars, you know what, that's where you can wear them proudly like a badge and be like, yeah, you know what, I went through it, I'm good, I got this. And it's, like I said, it's doing it, it's doing it for the ones that have passed, whether it's, you know, your spouse or your mom or your dad or your best friend, you know, keep living a good life for them. They want to see you live a good life. That's what they'd want for you. They'd want you to be happy. And so when March rolled around, that was that was my seven months and that's when my new husband came into my life. 
I think for the most part, yeah, probably 99% of people were happy uh, for me. 1% was probably, wow, that's really early, um, especially because we did get married um, in September after that year. So, you know, I was married quite shortly after that. And I'm sure, you know, I know that I, that I lost a couple friends uh, because of it, because of their own judgment and opinions on that process. But, you know what, no one can really pass any judgment or even... <laughs> they just they just shouldn't pass any judgment. I mean, unless they've walked in your shoes, they don't know the pain that you've gone through. And at the end of the day, everyone deserves to be happy and life goes on. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, as unfuckwithable that I am, that I feel that I am right now, I still deal with a very real fear, very real issue, is that because normally when you lose someone that's supposed to be with you, you know, you're only supposed to really lose, you know, in, <laughs> on average, you know, you're supposed to spend a good amount of years with, you know, your significant other, um, you know, be in those wheelchairs together. And the fact that I've remarried an amazing man, so loving, um, the most perfect man that I possibly ever could have dreamed for. <laughs> Thinking like, what if I lose this man? You know, what would I be able, how would I be, even be able to go through another loss again? And it does scare the shit out of me. I do have to you know, really, really sit on my thoughts with that, really not get uh, wrapped up into the future that of a possibility that may never even happen um, for another, oh, <laughs> 40 years. So, you know, it's, it's something I really have to put my, my mind at peace with for the most part, but it's something really scary to think about because once you've gone through it once, fuck, you don't want to go through that shit again. But I don't know how I would be again. And, you know, that is something that I deal with. It's a reality for me, but I don't let it get the best of me. So for yourself to let this loss and this grief turn you into a stronger person and become unfuckwithable. Heal at your own pace. Don't worry about the timeline. Focus on living your life, a good life for them. Say yes to something that makes your heart smile, that makes you happy. Be around friends, be around family, get yourself out there. You know, that, that year that, um, whole year that uh in that time in between I promised myself that anything that I wanted to do that made my it was the it was the time to say yes anything that brought me happiness I did I treat myself to a manicure and a pedicure yeah did I go fly and see family and friends yes did I buy that cute sweater that you know made me feel good yes so I didn't say a lot of no's in that time I focused on purely bringing myself happiness in any ways that I could. Was it treating myself to a donut? Yes. 
you know, was it spending all day at the beach? Yes. I did not say no. So let this make you stronger. You've gone through one of the worst things that you possibly can that no one is really equipped with. No one is taught how to navigate this whole journey when you lose someone. You're out there trying to figure it all out on your own, dealing with the emotions, dealing with the pain. So let this make you stronger because you've got to live the best life for them. You've got to live the best life for you. And you can't do that if you're going to allow yourself to sit in your darkness, in your sadness, in your depression for so long. Like, you just got to get out there because, you know what, your time is not done. You still have so much to prove, so much to do. Like, time, recognize this now more than ever. Time is short. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. It's cliche, but it's fucking true. <laughs> We were working out together in the morning. He got into an accident and was dead by the evening. Think about that. That's any of us at any moment. So be thankful and grateful for this life and fuck, live a good one, man. So that's this episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I hope this has helped you. Please reach out. Let me know your thoughts on this episode. As always, I appreciate you all tuning in. And don't forget, for the month of December, if you're listening to any of these episodes, screenshot it on your phone, upload it to your Instagram stories, tag Becoming Unfuckwithable on Instagram, tag myself, Mindy Harley Official. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Someone's going to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.